um, with him to reach this place of abundance. You know, we've talked about different things that may seem totally unrelated to being blessed of the Lord, but I believe they're central. Be diligent. Refuse to allow slothfulness to take over. Tend to that which he has entrusted to you. Be friendly. Yeah. See, some of the people that you can't stand may be the very ones that God has chosen that he wants to use them to be the ones that are going to be giving to your bosom. Because he didn't say, you know, he says, given it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. He didn't say that, well, if you're faithful, that I'm going to cause a million dollars to appear on your table in the morning and you're going to have your coffee and wonder what you're going to do with it all. But he said, men are going to give into your bosom and we start cutting relationships because we don't like them, we don't agree with this, we can't understand that, we can't, we can't, we can't. And we start cutting off all of the pipelines that God has been preparing to get move, move into our lives. <clears throat> cutting off supply lines is foolishness. Always. But we need to break that spirit of poverty by taking care of what we have and then sowing. You know, I've said this so many years, I'm almost getting tired of saying it. No, I don't get tired of saying it. <laughs> but I have said it for so many years. If you cannot maintain what you attain, you will never retain. Because everything that you don't maintain will be destroyed by this world system. You don't believe me, don't change the roof on your house for 30 years. And watch what happens to your inside of your house. You'll be changing ceilings, you'll be changing walls, you'll be changing flooring, you'll be changing... Don't bother doing any upkeep on your car. See what happens. You don't maintain it, you won't retain it. You'll be seeing your car sitting down somewhere in a pile of other wrecks going, hmm. So we break that spirit of poverty. When we take care of what we have, we appreciate what we have, and then we start sowing. And today I want to focus on our faith. So what are we believing for as individuals? I know what I'm believing for as a church, but what are you, how are you seeing this vision play out in your life? How are you seeing yourself moving from the place you are into a greater place, into a wide open plane? How are you seeing yourself taking that next step? In 1 Kings 18.41, Elijah said to King Ahab, Get up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. Well, I looked up what that word abundance means, and it's got a whole bunch of synonyms. Profusion, plenty, wealth, richness, lavishness, copiousness, great quantities, large quantities, an overwhelming amount. So Elijah is talking to King Ahab, 
And he says, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain, or I am hearing plenty. I'm hearing a profusion. I'm hearing wealth and lavishness and richness, and I'm hearing all of these things. And let's not forget that this is in a time when Israel's under a drought because of Ahab and his wife. But this is what I'm hearing now. And then it goes on to say in 42 to 45, So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elisha went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground, he put his face between his knees, and he said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and he looked, and he said, There is nothing. Okay. Seven times he said, Go again. And I imagine the answer was the same every time. Nothing, Elijah. You're praying, nothing's happening, Elijah. But Elijah says, keep going. And he keeps going, and then it comes out, nothing. Seven times he came and back and said, go again. And then the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. And he said, go up. Say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. I'm hearing the sound of the abundance of rain and there's a cloud, a clear sky. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain and the sun is shining and the birds are singing. Finally, the servant comes back and he says, well, there's this cloud the size of a man's hand that's coming out of the ocean right now. Go tell Ahab to get himself out of here because the rain is going to stop him. So we know the story. Ahab, Ahab heads back to the city. He gets stuck in the rain. Elijah ends up running him on his feet, gets there before Ahab does. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain, the sound of abundance. So in 431, when Elijah was talking to King Ahab, there was absolutely no rain and Elijah didn't say to Ahab, well, the rain's coming. He didn't say to Ahab, well, you know, soon, it'll, it'll be here soon. He was listening to what God had told him and he said what was happening in the spirit realm and he told Ahab, he says, there is the sound of the abundance of rain because God had already told Elijah that he was supposed to be praying that there was going to be rain and so he was hearing rain even though nobody else heard rain. When you start hearing what the spirit of God is saying, you are going to start understanding that you are living in a different world and that the world that you are living in, which we are citizens of, ends up surpassing the world that everybody else recognizing. So Elijah said, the abundance of the rain is here. He was listening to God. He declared, there is a sound. Present tense. Not there's going to be a sound. 
Not there's going to be lots of rain. He said there is a sound of the abundance of rain. So because Elijah had heard in the spirit and perceived what God was wanting to do for Israel at that time, instead of turning around and saying, well, it'll never happen, he started declaring, this is it. This is it. Church, I think sometimes one of the biggest things we've got to learn to do is start saying, this is it. We are there. See, many years ago, the church used seem to get a fresh understanding about the words of our mouth and making godly confessions. In fact, almost every um, full gospel, Pentecostal group that you're listening to, oh, watch your mouth, watch your mouth, what you say is what you get. Speak what you want, that type of, you know, we heard those confessions over and over again, and some people ended up working in them, and a lot of them didn't. They started confessing the word, but notice that Elijah went one step further. He didn't stop with just making a good confession. That was only the first step. In verse 42, Elijah went up to Mount Carmel. He bowed down. He put his head between his knees, and he fought for what he knew God wanted in prayer. He didn't have to go out and start trying to sow clouds. He didn't have, he just had to go up and he had to say, this is what God has already said is going to happen. And he was able to go up there and fight on his knees, fight with his face to the ground. He was there to stand in faith and say, Father, but your word is saying that this is the end of the drought and there is the sound of the abundance of rain. He was able to keep up and go there until he broke through. And when the breakthrough came, he was able to tell Ahab, you best be moving because if you you don't, you're going to get washed away. He chose to operate in a level of authority that was higher than anything the king possessed. The king could not make it rain. When Elijah had said no more rain, there was no more rain. It was Elisha that had to unlock that. And many times, we just want to pray comfortably at a convenient time. Not at 6.30 in the morning on a Tuesday. <laughs> Not a half hour before the service starts. We want convenience. Show me when to pray where it's convenient, Lord. In fact, sometimes we seem to think, well, I'll just think some good thoughts. And hence we have that term, sending you good thoughts. Because it's not prayer. Good thoughts are not prayer. Prayer is talking to God, and talking means you have to open your mouth and say something. Talking means you are, now you can commune with God quietly on the inside, but when you start asking God, when you start talking to God, you got to talk. Well, I'm sending good thoughts and prayers. Are you? Or did you stop at good thoughts? See, Elijah began to pray. And he was involved in his prayers. In fact, he was involved enough that he kept sending his servant out and saying, this, no, this, this can't be. There has to be something happening. Go look again. Nope. Until finally said, there's a little cloud, one little cloud. See, sometimes we start thinking, well, if we just think about what we want or, you know, well, you know, mm. 
then maybe that will count as prayer. God doesn't count that as prayer. But Elisha didn't. He pressed in even once it got uncomfortable. Now, I cannot imagine standing before the ruler of the land saying, I'm going to go pray now because I hear the sound of abundance of rain. And the king looking at you going, Fruit Loop. <laughs> he cried out to heaven, he called unto God, and he kept going until the rain started. And we have a tendency far too often to give up far too easily when it comes to prayer. Instead of yielding to the Spirit and pushing through, we get tired, so we stop. Then we make silly little comments that, well, that doesn't work for me. Of course not. Your TV doesn't work either if you don't plug it in. Get yourself plugged in. If we want what God has for us, we're going to have to learn to contend for it. Now, people may say, well, I prayed and I'm believing God. Well, that's good. But sometimes that's not enough. See, Galatians says we will reap if we faint not, or which also translates as if we don't give up. Now, the rain in 1 Kings chapter 18 was a type of the outpouring of God's Spirit. And that wasn't the best that the Spirit is capable of. You know, sometimes we keep reading the Bible and go, oh, well, that will all happen back then. Maybe the Spirit is getting old and weak now. <laughs> you know, that all happened 1,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago. That all happened back then. The Spirit of God is moving just as strongly today in the world as he ever has, but people just haven't listened to him. We were talking to a young couple the other day, and we just mentioned about hearing God, and she says, well, says, well how do you hear God that clearly? I thought, oh, I could tell you, but you don't want to hear yet. <laughs> Why? See, Holy Spirit is not growing old. He's not growing weak. He's not tired. He's not fading away. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Ecclesiastes 7.8 says, The end of the thing is better than the beginning. Holy Spirit is going to be better than he was at the beginning. So God is not working to calm things down. He is accelerating them. He's wrapping them up for the church. Now there are so many prophets that are busy talking about how we have entered the end times and this is the end times now and this is all over. Whether they're right or not, I don't know. What I do know is then let's get on board and enjoy every minute of what God is going to do. Let's not sit at home and whine and complain and carry on, but let's get on board and say, Father, we thank you that your blessings have been poured out in greater abundance than we have ever seen before. Now, Acts chapter 2 tells us that God wants to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. He is seeking those that will worship in spirit and in truth, those who are people of faith. He is waiting to hear words of faith coming out of the mouth of his people so that he can perform his word. He is looking for yielded people that will contend for what they know is God's will. You know, we read on every revival in the church that it has always been birthed in prayer. Joel chapter 2, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Except before that, he's talking about how the ministers of the Lord are between the altar and the doorposts. Ministering. 
There's that time of prayer. There's that time of preparation. You listen to some of the old-time revivalists, and before they ever went to a city to preach, they would send a prayer team in to go rent a room and pray. And they would spend 24 hours a day in prayer so that when the revivalists came through, great things happened. People came to flock to the Lord. People ended up repenting. I know they mentioned at one city they had gone back to, and I forget now which revivalist it was, and they had gone back there a couple of years later, and they had looked around, and he ended up talking to the police. He says, well, since you were here last time, we have no work to do anymore. He says, the bars have all closed down. The brothels have all shut down. People are going to church and living godly lives. What happened? We had an encounter with Jesus. All of a sudden, the image of Jesus Christ was being put upon them instead of the image that they had been living under. And there is freedom in that communion. It takes prayer, people. Martin, not Martin Luther. George, no. George Mueller, there's the one, yep. Got him. It was mentioned that he was started these orphanages. He had all these orphanages that were success, and he had all these children that he was able to help and share the word of God with. And people asked him, he says, like, how do you do this? And he says, I spend four hours every morning in prayer. If it's going to be a hard day, I spend extra time. He shared testimonies about how they were sat down to eat without food in the house. And they had an orphanage full of children. He put set in the table. And now they're all supposed to go sit down and eat. And there's no food. But he says, we're going to pray and we're going to trust God. So they prayed and they trusted God. And there's a knock on the door and the food got delivered just in time for them to have fresh food. They lived in a different place. They live in a different realm than people that are just doing it all themselves. <clears throat> the outpouring of the Spirit is in the church today, but many Christians aren't talking or acting like it. Scripture teaches that we are in the last times, the time of the Holy Ghost, and that means we don't have to wait for the outpouring. It is here. Now, since the day of Pentecost, there have been continuous outpourings of the Spirit. He's being poured out afresh and anew every day, day after day. But too often, we're too blind to see it. And church, it is time for us to declare, I hear the sound of the end time outpouring. And I believe we're going to need to declare that. And I have seen so much of it already since I got born again. I sort of got born again right at the end of um, when the Jesus movement was sort of filling out. People were getting saved all over the place. All the people that nobody expected would ever get to heaven got there. There was a mighty move of God and thousands of people were being baptized. That's why I get excited when I hear where there's places in the world right now where a thousand people are coming down to get baptized at one time because they've accepted the Lord because I go, God, I've seen some of this. Not only have I seen some of this, I've been praying for more and more and more because never was that meant to go down. That was meant to carry on until the Lord could return to a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. The hippies were coming to know the Lord. The drug addicts were coming to know Jesus. 
Everybody was coming to know Jesus, even though they're the ones that the church would normally have said, there's no hope for them. And they were pushing in. We're there, people. And we need to be start saying, there's the sound of the abundance of the Holy Spirit being poured out. There's the sound and start looking for what he is doing. That means we don't have to wait for an outpouring. It's here. Since the day of Pentecost, there have been continuous outpourings of the Holy Spirit. He's been poured out upon us afresh and anew, day after day after day. Well, church, it's time for us to declare this. I hear the sound of the end time outpouring. The Spirit is moving in power and in healing today. He is guiding, he is directing us today. The time for the church to come out, to come forth, is today. Now God has always been calling his people into a greater level of intimacy, a deeper level of prayer. He's always calling his people to contend for his things, and now is the time to fight in faith in the realm of the Spirit, contending for what he has dropped into our hearts. What, is, what do you see as how you're going to fit into God's plan? Because I don't know necessarily what each one of you individually is going to do, but God will drop that into your heart. How do you fit into that plan? See, we're not, we can't just give up when the devil throws a little hissy fit. We can't quit just because circumstances don't look very good. We can't wait until we see something to say, oh, it's happening. We say it by faith. It's happening. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain in the earth today. Let's not be left sitting on the sidelines wondering what's going on. It's time to lift our, face, our voices in faith and start contending for God's purposes for this hour. Do I know what each one of your individual purposes is? No. Well, maybe, but... <laughs> no, I don't. Do I know that you have a part to play? Yes. So church, let's prepare ourselves. Talked about it this morning in prayer. When Holy Spirit calls us, we're not necessarily going to have time to be ready. We're going to have to live ready. We're going to close in prayer and then I have a few things I want to share yet with just the congregation here. So Father, I just want to thank you right now for this opportunity to share your word. And I just ask, Father, that you would cause this to sink into our hearts, to quicken us, that as we head forward, Father, we would have your word as our guide, your spirit, to bring light to our path. I pray, Father, for each one here that they would find the fullness of their calling in Christ Jesus. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name.